Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast. I'm Lee, the hostess with the mostest, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things travel, be it food, international and domestic destinations, zany things to do, or what to pack for your next trip. With me today are my fabulous co-hosts, Emily. Hello, hello. And Zen. Hello, hello, hello. Ah. I've added the hello to, to yours. I can't be outdone. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the last word. That's true. <laughs> so last week, we mentioned that this summer, we as a nation might be able to travel safely with the coronavirus restrictions easing up and vaccines being distributed. However, when we say travel, we mean domestically. We're staying within our own sandbox. Now, in the past, we've had many podcasts that have dedicated to domestic places like visits to Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., the Windy City of Chicago, Seattle, and San Francisco, just to name a few. If you haven't listened to them, check them out in our archives at or at sites.ce.uci.edu backslash meet us in Paris. But what if you really had your heart set on visiting somewhere international and get to get a feeling for that foreign culture? Well, fear not, because we've got a bunch of suggestions for you of places you can travel to domestically, yet get that foreign feeling of traveling while leaving your passport at home. The events of 2020 have shaken the world and impacted our lives. But fearlessness is the mother of reinvention. Change your career. Prepare for a promotion. Start a new business with the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education's fully online professional certificate programs. Available anywhere, anytime to fit your busy schedule. Find out more at ce.uci.edu. With adversity comes great strength. Find yours with us. Okay, so um, the one thing I wanted to mention before we started was uh, that I wanted to talk about the inspiration of this video and uh, a podcast. Wait a minute, we're not doing a video. It's this podcast <laughs> was that I came across this video um, on YouTube and it's very clever by done by a young gentleman named Andrew Lovett. So if you go online, go to YouTube do uh, Google Andrew Levitt or do a search. And he does something called visiting famous European cities without leaving America. And what this guy did was um, he wanted to go to Europe last year. And because he couldn't make it to Europe, he found out that in Texas, they have all these places named after European cities. <laughs> so he took a 1400 mile road trip to go visit London, Texas. Oh, jeez. Paris, Texas. And, <laughs> and the Netherlands, Texas. And he documented it. And it is so just amazing. You can see how much fun these guys are having, realizing um, what how silly it was, what they were doing. But they found things like, they found like a mini Eiffel Tower, and they found like a Stonehenge in Texas. Oh, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. it was just like places named after pla like European places, but to that, they're actually doing something to kind of mimic the, the cities is awesome. Yeah, I guess in Paris, Texas, they have a... Um, 
an Eiffel Tower that's probably 40 or 50 feet tall, but at the very top of it, it has a uh, a big cowboy hat. Of course it does. <laughs> the, either that or st- Longhorns. Like, it had to have one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, I'm going to give one other part away because it's so funny, is that they, they go to this fake Stonehenge, and one of the guys is kind of like, talking to the cameras like yeah so like all they all put on backpacks to look like they're like backpacking and tourists (laughs) and walking around and one of the locals came up to him it's like why are you wearing backpacks it's like oh we're we're just trying to look like we're tourists and the guy just gave him like the craziest look like they were insane Because they're in the middle of Texas, but they put all put on their backpacks. They must have their shorts on or whatever, walking around it, trying to take photo selfies and stuff. And the locals caught them and going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but on with my first suggestion. Um, kind of in the same. Uh, let's see the the first thing I suggest is um, Sausalito, California. Um. Sausalito, California is maybe about five to 10 miles north of San Francisco. I've mentioned this before, um, but it's worth mentioning again. Um, the reason why I chose Sausalito is it is the sister city to Viña del Mar, Chile. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Viña del Mar, Chile is a city on the ocean like Sausalito. And when you are a little bit further away, like a couple miles down the road from uh, Vino del Mar or Sausalito, you may mistake it, the them for the same city. It's just these beautiful, colorful buildings on the side of the ocean. Hmm. Wow. So they definitely have a very, very similar look. Vineyard del Mar is much larger. It is a um, vacation city. Sausalito is residential and a small city. Um, but it really does. I've been to both and they both have a very similar kind of feel. Um, however, it once you get past the look and feel, um, Sausalito is very American, but it is worth going there. Um, go there, rent a bicycle, go up and down the side of the ocean, um, there's a bunch of little shops to go into and lots of great restaurants. Um, they have ocean, uh, they have oceanside hotels that kind of the balconies go into the sea. Um, little tiny piers. Uh, definitely Sausalito is worth your visit. But once you're there, it kind of has that kind of Riviera, oceanside little city feeling to it. And it's a lot of fun just to hang out there for a couple of days and relax. Sounds lovely. I'm looking at pictures right now. It's so pretty. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's just like when you're in San Francisco, it's like a 10 minute, 15 minute drive north. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Is there like a ferry or something out there too? I I want to say I saw it. I remember seeing it, but I might have been on like a boat tour to Alcatraz or something like that. Huh, there I, seems to be a ferry. I just looked up Sausalito Ferry and I got you a know what? I think there is. a schedule. So I think there is. Yeah, because that's yeah. A, that's how I originally thought it was. In, and yeah, you just get to take in all of those sites and the buildings and stuff like you said, Zen. So also, um, 
as a side note, um, one of our friends, uh, our previous podcaster, lived in Santa Rosa. So if you're going up to Santa Rosa, um, uh, you the thing is, I always suggest going to Santa Rosa because it's another beautiful little city. They have wine and stuff like that. But they, more importantly, they are the location of the Charles Schultz Museum. So oh, if you're in San Francisco, oh, that's right. It's a great day trip. You spend a couple hours in Vino del Mar, go up to Santa Rosa, check out the make. I mean the Peanuts Gallery, come back down, um, and it all can be done in one day. And David, our podcaster, who was oh I'm sorry, he was on the other podcast. He did a Disney podcast with us. Um, David lived up in Santa Rosa. Oh. My other favorite thing in Santa Rosa, um, uh-huh. and actually, I guess this kind of fits in, is a place called Safari West. It's a 400-acre like wildlife preserve where you were literally riding in these huge double-decker Jeeps. It's kind of like going to like the San Diego Wild Animal Park, but on a different scale because everything is, is free-range to a, a sense. Um, they don't guarantee you're going to see all sorts, like, okay, you're definitely going to see wildebeests or whatever, but it's highly likely. But they had, like, two kinds of zebras, several kinds of giraffes. Um, I want to say they had a wildebeest. They did have a cheetah. Um, What's a wildebeest? I'm sorry. A wildebeest is a very unfortunate-looking creature that can <laughs> is actually an apex predator. Ooh. <laughs> I'm um, imagining like I'm imagining like a buffalo, but like w- weirdly lean and weird. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right imagination. If that's the right yeah. if, <laughs> imagine this... like a like a buffalo mated with like an oh. antelope. Oh, I see. You know, imagine oh. the horns and stuff like that. Like they're they've got a really long snout and stuff. But they're they're really they can be kind of mean because they could chase you and then just like like. They'll they'll watch you and like sure they were t- sharing stories of people who had been treed, um, and the wildebeest just kind of like stood underneath <laughs> them for a while, like hours upon hours, because they get really really territorial. I um, think in sorry, just to further ingrain the image in my head, a wildebeest. I think wildebeests are the animals that trampled Mufasa, yes, Lion King. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know when when you say wildebeest, for some reason I just like Lord of the Rings. It sounds like a Lord of the Rings kind of animal. So I, I didn't know it was real, but you kept on saying it's like, oh yeah, they're wandering around. It's like, oh, they're real. Okay, yeah, so. they're definitely real. And so the Safari West, it's it's not only great as a day trip. But you can also spend the night in these really <gasps> the best yurts I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, and so you're oh. literally like listening to the sounds of like the animals at night as you're in your yurt and stuff like that. I mean, they they have hyenas. I mean, everything you can imagine. It, it was just really neat. So, yeah, my, that's my other favorite thing to see in Santa Rosa. As a side right. note, my friend actually has a house outside of the um, – uh, the Detroit Zoo. Mm-hmm. He lives next to Detroit Zoo, and apparently every morning he wakes up to the sound of the jungle. <laughs> Could you imagine, like parrots and peacocks and like lions <laughs> roaring every morning when you wake up? It's just like anywhere else you go, what the heck? But that's what he wakes up to every morning. So <laughs> wow, yeah, and it's it's totally it's come a completely different experience. So yeah, so you get the feeling of being on safari in Africa. But you're in Northern California, and then you can go wine tasting. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. Safari okay. West. Am I next? Sure. To me, I don't even know what order it is. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk about Leavenworth, Washington, which is about two-ish hours outside of Seattle. Um, and Leavenworth is this town that's like a German style. They call it Bavarian or Bavarian style, but it's that kind of like Alpine ski village European look. You know, like we're kind of familiar with that. There's a, like mm-hmm. a handful of them across the country, if not all over Europe. Um, so it's interesting. So basically it's this town that hosts, um, like they have the beautiful Christmas markets in the winter. And then of course they celebrate all of the German things like Oktoberfest specifically. Um, but the history was very interesting to me because it started out just as Native American land and then early pioneer settlements, just they people just came and built regular looking houses, like up until the 1950s and 60s. It just looked like any other town in America until I guess they went through some economic hardships. And then the town just came together. And I guess it was a large population of German settlers um, or German descent that they were like, okay, what can we do to make more money for our town? And they gave the entire town a facelift and made it, created it, this Bavarian town in the middle of Washington state um, to try and draw tourists. And they succeeded because so many people go up there every single, like 2 million tourists come up there every single year um, to experience Germany in Washington state, which is so funny to me. Um, I love it. I love it. Both like we're going to, we're going to go with Germans. Yes. (laughs) How Uh, can we save it? It's like a, a, a musical in the making. We're going to save our community by oh, going totally. German. <laughs> totally. Uh, it's actually really cool. If you go on leavenworth.org, um, that's like the official town's website, they actually have a live webcam that you can just watch the town. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, they have like a ton of things actually. Um, they like created itineraries for you if you don't know what you want to do and they like have different topics or if you want to go like if you're going in the winter time they have like dog sledding ice skating um, of course my favorite snowboarding and skiing uh, but they've got like a ton of snow stuff that you can do and then if you're not into snow or I guess athletic things What's really funny is um, for their attractions part, their little blurb says, um, let's see, if your definition of rugged footwear involves heels longer than three inches, then peruse our spas, wineries, and farmer's markets, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they have a ton going up uh, up there. Uh, so you are for sure going to enjoy yourself in nature. I mean, of course, it's Germantown essentially. So you've got all the breweries. They have a Nutcracker Museum, which is the largest collection of historic and international nutcrackers. So that's definitely a point of, to see, but you will enjoy yourself up there. Wow. I love that. Um, 
and because you know since we're talking about german you know german influence and all that great stuff one of my favorite things local is um the old world village in huntington beach now everyone knows huntington beach as surf city usa but what many don't know is that tucked really really close behind this major like shopping mall is a place called old world village which has this european feel to it with some you know some buildings and stuff like that they've got restaurants they do a german beer garden um like from wednesday to sunday hell's kitchen said it's got the the best sausage but what i love about it is their Oktoberfest because their Oktoberfest brings out all of these booths and vendors and stuff like that and wiener dog races, which if you have not experienced a wiener dog race, you have missed out in life because these people take their wiener dog racing seriously. The the whole track, it's a straight track um, and it's probably like maybe a, a hundred feet. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with distances, but it's nowhere close <laughs> to like a football stadium. That's for sure. And there's actual racing, handmade racing cards where you get the name of the dog, their oh age, how much they weigh. And the oh, basically, you know, you get the owner on one side and then, you know, usually like a trainer yeah. or somebody on the other side and they release <laughs> the dogs. There's usually about maybe four or five at a time. And they have to run this straight path to the other person and they do all of these different heats and stuff. It is awesome. I <laughs> like it. Just- on occasion, one will get distracted and just like stay at the start line. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's the best. laughs> and people like- wandering da- around with like their, 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 you know, their dogs in costumes and st- it is now, and I've never, I will be really clear. I've never done the evening version because I can only imagine what kind of rowdiness happens <laughs> because like I said, there's a beer garden. A lot of beers flowing. Um, I've been there for the Oompa band, you know, the polka bands. Um, it gets, you know, as as Oktoberfest goes on throughout the month, it gets busier and busier. Um, but on a Sunday afternoon, it is such a cool experience. <laughs> you can bring the family and you will not be disappointed with the wiener dogs. <laughs> yep. Every once in a while, they'll do races, um, during the year outside of Oktoberfest and there's you know throughout the year they'll also have like arts and craft fests and um, live music and stuff and I mean you can always get the sausage but man if you can catch the wiener dog races you it it's, it's priceless <laughs> <laughs> um you know what I'm gonna follow up with more German stuff then um, just because you mentioned that so if you're in California during uh late September, strangely enough, I is Oktoberfest actually starts in September. So if you're in California, Orange County, and you go see that area, you should also go check out in Anaheim. There is something called the Phoenix Club. The Phoenix Club is a German, German, um, it's a German club. I mean, if you're German, you join the phoenix club they have enough germans in the area that they actually have their own club and they have a small campus up there and during the uh during oktoberfest they open their doors and they have this huge p- 
party out there where everyone drinks beer. They, they, you know, bring out, make pretzels they make all the traditional foods. And they even import Oompa bands from Germany. They are not local bands. They actually have German bands come to the United States and play there at the Phoenix club. And they do all sorts of crazy German dances. Like, you know, like they do the dances, but like some of them are with whips and some of them, (laughs) and it's really, really interesting and a great time. Um, It's funny because I've gone two different versions of this. It's like, I have uh, family and friends who are, who were born and raised in Germany. And one of them goes, Oh, this is so funny. This is like a cartoon version of Oktoberfest. And then I have another friend who was raised in another part of Germany and doesn't like to go. It's like, why not? She goes, it's too German for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so somewhere in between the two lies the truth. Um, But nonetheless, it is a great time to listen to lots of, you know, German bands and drink lots of German beers that you don't have an opportunity to see, try, and foods. Extending upon that, I will talk about, um, I was born and lived in Columbus, Ohio when I went to college. Um, Columbus, Ohio, on the south side of Columbus, Ohio, that is uh, the city. Um, one of the suburbs, which could be still part of the city, is an area called Germantown. Uh, Germantown was settled by Germans like in the 1900s. Um, and at one point, Columbus, Ohio actually was one third German. Um, they had so many settlers there. And in the area are, so it's it's an old part of town, one of the oldest parts of town. It's doesn't necessarily look like germany but it's a series of old buildings and lots of the streets are still brick streets yeah um yeah um these little small corners with lots of trees you know in the city like trees hanging over the streets and um lots of german eateries and lots of little bakeries um tons of little shops some of them german related some of them not um um, so I highly suggest to go out to that part of area, that area, and it is just like between the German food, hanging out there. There is something called the Village Bookshop. I suggest you go to. Oh my gosh, is it like a bookshop that kind of like is a maze? Yes, Not, it, it's just like fill overflowing with books. Yes. Oh my gosh, I have been there. Okay, I couldn't remember what Describe I knew it was in it. Ohio. I knew it was I, in Ohio. I couldn't remember which part. <laughs> Describe it for us because I oh, want to hear it from an outsider's view. Sure. Okay. So I, in case listeners do not know, um, my mom, my parents came from Vietnam in 75 and they both ended up in Ohio for college. And so um, my mom learning English, she had to learn English and one of her English instructors or mentors, teachers, whatever, she moved to Columbus, Ohio. So we went back there probably four or five years ago. Um, so my mom could show me where she, her first American influence basically, which is really funny to listen to her talk about it. Um, but anyways, Columbus, Ohio, the bookshop. I remember walking on the, on the sidewalk, of course. And then we came up to this little bookshop that looks 
pretty normal from the front, I would say. But when you turn the corner, if I'm remembering correctly, when you turn the corner, you just see like an overflow of books and you can walk into it. And I think if I remember correctly, does it go down? Is it more like a basement bookshop and up? It's up. Okay. So, and first of all, I'm sorry, I, I misnamed it. It's actually called the Book Loft of German Village. Uh. The Village Bookshop is actually another bookshop that actually did close in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and it was run by actually some of my my friends. Oh. Um, another end of the other part of the city. But the, the Book Loft of German Village, what had happened is it started out as a bookstore um, in one of the, you know, these buildings were all residential at one point, I believe, or small stores. And as time went by, um, the stores next to them sometimes would close. Um, so like if there was a painting store next door and they would go, we'll take it from <laughs> whoever the owners were. And they would just then cut a doorway between the two <laughs> areas yeah, yeah. And then take over the next uh the next um retail spot. And over the years, so like it, it was like on part of a city block and over the years I think they got something like 34, 35, 30, you know, like rooms of books. Because they start like the, the someone uh, one of the build like something would close down above them or something or someone would move out and they go, "We'll take the space." And then they would just shove books in there. Oh my gosh, yes. That's so crazy. And yeah. they have like a little garden area too or something yes. like that, um, which is amazing. But yes, it's kind of like the Los Angeles's um, last bookstore that's kind of like a maze, but also kind of like Powell's up in Portland. That's what I was thinking. Like it sounds to me like Powell's, yes, but more but then, disorganized. Yes, and it's more disorganized and I put it in like a German village. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's been there for, okay. So my parents got their mass uh, their PhDs in Columbus, Ohio, and they left in 69. And then on occasion we would go to Columbus, Ohio, just for a vac- you know, just for a day trip or something like that. And then you would take their meet there as a kid. And then when I was there in college, um, you know, that's one of the things we would go do is like, and, it, and, and they're discount books too. Mm-hmm. they're not like full price so you go in there and you can find something on everything so we would go there and buy books and to this day it's it's been open this bookstore has been open for at least 60 years wow wow so yeah and and i mean it's just room after room and they go they're like it's like a maze you go up it sounds like the winchester house right yeah, you right. know <laughs> you go up you go down it's crazy so yeah so the so give that um the book loft a, a try super cool um okay i'm going to take us away from germany and um into the Sahara Desert, if that's something you're interested in. <laughs> um, so in Colorado is a national park called the Great Sand Dunes National Park. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is literally sand dunes 
galore. Um, it's three hours north of Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's on the southern end of um, Colorado. But it's got the tallest sand dunes in all of North America. So definitely you will feel like you're in the desert for sure. Uh, but they have hiking. They've got sandboarding and sand sledding. Um, you can camp there. I don't know if people camp in the Sahara per se, but you could pretend you're in Sahara. Uh, they've got, it's not all sand though. They've got a little creek that you can play in um, or swim in and um, different, I don't know, outdoor things. There's, interestingly, in spring and fall is known as the crane migration uh, so you can, if you go there during the spring oh. and fall, you may be able to catch some cranes, which is cool. But yeah, I mean, it's just a national, not just a national park. It is <laughs> national parks are very cool. Uh, but yeah, it it's just not not many not many things besides just sand. But if sand is your thing, <laughs> <laughs> you take us to the sexiest places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and to hear you describe that, Emily, it reminds me because I had been to White Sands, New Mexico. Oh, yes. A long, long time ago. And yet it, it is this kind of like vast experience when you're seeing nothing but like you go over a hill and then once again, you see nothing but sand. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah, it, it, that would totally be mind blowing. Well, I'm going to take us out of the desert and into actually Canada um, to get a little bit of feeling of, of, of France, especially old, like an older sense of France. And that would be to Quebec city or Quebec as folks know. Now growing up on the East coast, Canada was our place to go when you turned 18 to drink. Um, but was what was really fun for me was going to Quebec City because it it's it's an almost like a nation or a place in and of itself because now while most of Canada um you know it's been populated by the British and the French and all sorts of other stuff and indigenous people well Quebec is holding on to its French identity such to the point where back in the late 80s and early 90s they were going to secede from the Canadian Union and be their own country their official language is French so for somebody like me who barely squeaked by in high school French simply ordering a coffee required a lot of thought but it's gorgeous the architecture is absolutely amazing you see these these forts that were there i mean from when the, the city was built it's right along the the river and so you can see how trade happened um bringing you know uh, bringing lots of goods down from canada or raw materials down from canada and uh things up from the u.s um to really get a sense of um the nightlife you can go to Quartier Petit Champlain, which is like a commercial street where you can enjoy crafts and souvenirs. It's like an old town. Um, it just, it feels like you have literally stepped into Europe. Um, and I, and I love it. Now, if you need, if your French is as rusty as mine and you need a little bit of a, you, know, you want to use your English a little bit more, 
sneak over to Montreal because you still get that French feeling. Um, you can go to old Montreal and see Notre Dame Basilica. You can visit all sorts of other wonderful French influence places, but they've also got their own Chinatown and they speak a lot more English. Love it. Where are we at? Who's up? Oh, I think I'm up. I think it's you. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I'm going to go with my cheater just because it's funny. I say if you want to go explore the world in one place in the United States, you have to go to Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm so glad you didn't say it's a small world. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an upgrade. Um, and I, I kind of say that, you know, sarcastically, but at the same time, I, I'm not. Um, if you've ever been to Epcot, Epcot is this. Um, it is part of the Disney, Disney Plantation. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, it's in Florida, obviously in Orlando, if you, you're not familiar, and it is a park that celebrates the different cultures from around the world and, um, have being there, um, a couple of times, they actually have representations of a bunch of different countries. Um, the countries, including like China, Japan, um, parts of Europe, um, future world which is not uh present here um i believe parts of mexico now the reason why i say it might be worth visiting is that um the times that we've gone in the past what they've actually done is they've i don't know if this is still true but this is what they've done in the past that they actually have had cultural exchanges for the employees there so like when you go into the chinese area the Chinese area was actually completely staffed by Chinese residents. So the restaurants were run by Chinese companies and they were staffed with actual Chinese from China. Um, and they would board uh, Epcot at that point would actually board them there. And so they had places to stay. And so they were actually Chinese you know, and serving Chinese food and talking to people. My parents actually spoke a lot to them, trying to learn a little bit about how, you know, about why they were there. And and, and it's like, it was really neat. Um, other things like when you go to the little, uh, the Japanese area, I can't remember which one of the stores they had there. I thought it was like Masoko or something like that. Um, it's, that's actually the only um arm of that department store that is outside of japan so they have things in that store that are only sold exclusively in i think off the top of my head it's like masoko um there in um in that in that area so they have area like they have other areas like morocco and norway they have these rides even though they're kind of small worldish um trying to kind of educate you about the different cultures around the world so yes it is i was gonna say it's like i was gonna say it's the disneyland version of the world uh but it is this it is the disneyland (laughs) version of the world um it is still worth a visit to go out there and go check these places out um, and 
you know, and, and learn about a bunch of different cultures and maybe have a little bit of the cultural experience um, just because they actually bring a lot of authentic things there. Um, they have a little Italy. It's amazing. Some of the, um, they bring out like, uh, it looks like Venice. Mm. Uh, their part is Venice and they have people come out and they dress in costume for some celebration that they have out there. So it's kind of fun. Go give it a try. Don't, don't, don't just say no, it's Disneyland. Give it a try. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Even though I've been around the world to many of the places that they represent there, I still enjoy it um, as a destination. And then there's also Disney world next door. Mm. (laughs) Yes. And in Epcot, if you like alcohol, then you can try all the cocktails from all of the different countries. Yes. Um, so like <laughs> yes. Way to make the connection, Emily. We really know why Zen loves it so much. You know, the great thing about those places is I'm not driving. You know, there's That's always true. a trip to take me back to the hotel room. So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, since we are in Florida, I will briefly mention one place and talk about the other place a little bit more. So briefly mention Miami, Florida for Mm. all of its amazing Cuban influence, Central and South American influence, um, especially Cuban influence in Little Havana is amazing. Um, Just like walking around and looking at the buildings. And then of course, if you eat or drink anything, it's amazing. Uh, So of course, if you're, I mean, in Miami, that's awesome. Uh, the, the lesser known place that I just discovered and now I'm intrigued and I want to go to is called Tarpon Springs, Florida. So Tarpon Springs, Florida is like kind of, it's in the panhandle and it's on, if you're in Orlando at Disney World, then just drive west and then you're there it's on the west coast uh, of florida and it has the largest greek population in the u.s which is crazy i had no idea there were so many greeks in florida of all places Uh, but it makes sense because greek is an island and florida's got the island feel um but when you go there you it looks like from the pictures you're instantly like dropped into Greece. They've got all the white and blue buildings and Greek flags all over the place. But what's super interesting is that Tarpon Springs is actually the sponge capital of the world. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by this is that they, I guess the, I don't know if it was like the original settlers or the Greek culture or what, but they like their economy originally was just from sponge divers people going into the water diving for natural sponges to sell for people to use sponges (laughs) and so there's just tons of sponges and like diving imagery all over tarpon springs florida which is so funny to me um but i want a t-shirt Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I am, you know, I, when I think Greek, I think baklava. I think, I think so many things. I never, never would have thought sponges. That's, right? that's, that's a new one. 
Did they, do you happen to know, did they bring him with them and transplant them? Or were they just, are they native sponges? I, or? What it seems like, I don't know. But what from what it seems like, I think they're native. Because oh, they're okay. like, I mean, I'm looking at 12 best things to do in Tarpon Springs, Florida. And the first picture, there's just huge sacks of various types of sponges that they've harvested, I guess. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Natural sponges are you know, so weird we, to me. Yes. I'm just agreed. thinking like, you know, we could go to Disney World, but gosh, wouldn't it be great to show the kids some sponges? Yeah, right. <laughs> Emily, you take us to the sexiest places. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Lee's gorging herself on baklava. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, it sounds really interesting to me. I mean, I would want to go see where they... I mean, that's the type of thing that I go, I want to go see that. And my wife and kid go, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, don't you want to go see where all the sponges come out of the water and see, you know, how they did trade? No. No. (laughs) It's like, can't we just go to the beach, Dad? You know? (laughs) Yes, but if sponges aren't your thing, like it is for the three of us, then there's definitely, you can sit in chairs along the white sands, you can drink your ooza, you could eat your gyros and your baklava and everything. There's tons of things to do there. But I just thought the the sponge thing was very interesting. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, I'm going to find an opportunity to use that in a conversation today. <laughs> Do you know about the sponge capital of the world? Right. My sister's boyfriend is Greek, so I just want to like oh amaze gosh. him with like my knowledge now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you know, I, I I don't even know how to compare to that, <laughs> except you can my favorite local local-ish getaway when I want to experience Europe has always been Solvang. Um and I oh. giggle because it is like it is like stepping into like Danish culture full on, but in Southern California. Now, most people, you know, they as they're driving up the coast, they see Santa Barbara and they're in love with it. Well, but they but they don't realize that they traveled east just a little bit. They'd encounter Solvang. And so it's <clears throat> relatively young. It was settled in 1911 um, by some Dutch immigrants who wanted a better life. And Danish culture just it flourishes everywhere. They've got the windmills. You've got the tulips. You've got all sorts of stuff. Um, the, the bakeries. bakeries. The, the bakeries. bakeries with the bakeries. Danishes. The restaurants serving able skeevers. I mean, it is so dang cool. I mean, you've got the Hans Christian Andersen Museum, tons of Danish art, horse-drawn carriages. I mean, literally, they play it up to the nines. Um, and you can, like, if there is something Danish that you are missing, it is, you can find it there. Um, and then if you need to take a break and you want to do some wine tasting, Los Olivos is just down the road, <laughs> better known for the movie Sideways. And so you kind of can get a little bit of beat, you know, in one day you can get your beach on, you can get your booze on and then feel like you stepped into, you know, Amsterdam. Yes. Love it. Nice. <laughs> I love the little grocery stores there, too. Oh, yeah. They have, like, little grocery stores that have only, like, European foods and stuff like that. And I like sticking my head and grabbing little candies and stuff like that. So There was a shop, the Epicurean Picnic Basket. 
that was absolutely amazing and had a selection of cheeses that was mind blowing. <laughs> the the one thing I should mention is one of the biggest feet not features but biggest but it's like one of the things that people like to go see is if you go to um Denmark um everyone likes to go see the little mermaid statue. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in Solvang, California, they actually have a replica of that mermaid oh. statue from Copenhagen. So, yeah, go go check it out. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and it's too bad we missed it because when they celebrated their 100-year anniversary, the Prince of Denmark came there and it happened to be no. on his 77th birthday. No. So his 77th birthday and the 100-year anniversary of Solvang's like, founding were on the same day. That's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, Danish royalty visit from time to time. Um, and it's just <laughs> – it's it's such a trip. Um. They, you know, they have, imagine? Yeah. For my seventh, 77th birthday, we're going to go where? Something <laughs> that is a replica of my country? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to Epcot? <laughs> <laughs> well, and for, you know, if there's folks who are like diehard Simpsons watch, you know, enthusiasts, Solvang actually was featured on an episode where Milhouse's uncle came from Solvang. It was proud of his Danish heritage. So the food, like food network goes there all the time. I mean, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's funny, but it's also kind of like a big deal and it's in a small way. Yes. Okay. I think we have covered so many places just in, I mean, and we only have to stay within Northern America, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, do we have any honorable mentions? My honorable mention would be the state of Maine, where, like Texas, you can find over 40 cities that are named after, or I wouldn't even say cities, towns that are named after European cities like Limerick, um, Amsterdam, Lebanon, all sorts of different Paris, <laughs> all of those types of fun-filled things. So, yeah, so if you're on the East Coast and you're itching to see something like, you know, China, Maine, or or Den- you can also find Denmark. Um, that's another one out there. That's awesome. Um, my honorable mention is I actually watched this on YouTube, a different YouTuber, but he this guy is from Indiana and he moved to Paris to live in Paris, France because he doesn't want to live in Paris, France, uh, which is why we're called Meet Us in Paris. But anyways, he came back to Indiana to visit his family and he decided to do like this solo road trip throughout his home state of Indiana. And he came across this town called French Lick, Indiana. Have any of have either of you heard of it? Because it sounds I've hilarious. heard of it. Oh my gosh. Okay. It was so funny. He in the video where he ends up there, he goes, You guys, I'm in a place that's even more the most French place in the world, in like the least French place in the world, if that makes sense. Um, it's this huge there's this resort called, I think it's called the French Lick Resort or something, and it you drive up to it it's in the middle of nowhere imagine indiana it's in the middle of nowhere but then you see this grand casino resort that was named travel and leisure's best resort in indiana so 
<laughs> but you walk in, if you look at photos of the interior resort, it's, it's very European. And it's just so funny to me that this place is in Indiana of all places, but <laughs> it's got like golf courses, a spa, like really nice restaurant, all these places. But I just think it's so funny that it's called French Lake and it's in Indiana. Well, I only know it because that's where Larry Bird was from. Love it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, I think that's it. Yep. <laughs> Obviously, we've got a lot of places that we can travel to uh, as well, but we'll leave you with this. Thank you so much for tuning in to our International Travel Without a Passport podcast. What did you guys think? Let us know on our social media channels where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. And if you're newer to our podcast, we don't just talk about topical things. We also talk a lot about destinations. So check out some of our older podcasts on the real Cuba, Taiwan, Russia, and Germany, to name a few. Meets in Paris is a University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education production. If you need a career boost, follow them and find them at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci.edu. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.